There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the sixth episode in the Husky International series and a long interview with pro skier Jackie Peso. My name is Magnus Urmestad and this is the Swedish outdoor podcast Husky. Please try listening to the podcast using ACAST to access extra pictures and links during the interview. Find out more about this episode and previous episodes at huskypodcast.com. The interview was recorded at Clarion Sign in Stockholm. So Jackie Paso, is it Jackie or Jacqueline? Uh, officially it's Jacqueline, but I go by Jackie. Okay, okay. okay. How's life in Sweden? Uh, it's good, adjusting to the winters. I think um, I've gotten used to summers by now and a little cooler, although last summer it was pretty nice up in Orr, but um, daylight or lack of daylight in the winters, that's a new challenge. Yeah, so you're <laughs> not like from the... The same uh, latitude, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> no. I uh, think, especially, I just came from California, from Tahoe, and when it, you know, when there is daylight, it's pretty sunny, and um, definitely there's shorter days in the winter, of course, but they're not this short. <laughs> uh, where is home to you? Uh, I grew up in New England, so technically I was born in Boston, and um, my family has been living in Bethel, Maine area for the last, I don't know, 20 years or so. So my family's still back there. Uh, where did you, where did you grow up? Um, Massachusetts for 12 years, Foxborough, so big American football town, and um, and then. Hanover, Bethel, Maine area. So there's a ski area there that I grew up skiing in. What was what was your childhood like? Um, my childhood, lots of sports, I'd say. Um, my dad was a professional football player, so he um, got me into biking and soccer and... Um, we traveled a lot for skiing. We used to be weekend warriors originally, driving up from Massachusetts to Maine every weekend, and then I eventually convinced them to move up to Maine to the mountains. So it's good. But that's uh, always been a big part of your life, the like the, the dreaming of the mountains. Yeah, yeah. I think um, ever, yeah, ever since I was little, 
and my parents started taking me up there. I wanted to be there. I remember kind of like always being really sad when we had to go back and <laughs> back to Massachusetts. Um, so yeah, I've always wanted to spend as much time as possible in the mountains. But you, because I'm not that familiar with the, like the cities in the U.S. Uh, but you're not, you never, you've never lived in like a, a bigger city. Uh, spent some time. Uh, my sister lived in London for a couple of years, so I, you know, I spent three months visiting her there. Um, and of course, now you've been into Ora. Yes, yes, the big city of Ora, <laughs> <laughs> which Ora is actually bigger than the town that I grew up in. Oh, okay, for high okay, school. okay, okay, okay. Um, like the town that my parents live in now, that they've been in since I was in high school, I think it has a post office and an antique store. <laughs> the necessities. That's, that's it. <laughs> Uh, but like the relation to nature, has it always been important to you? Yeah, I think so. Um, it's I my my mother was a little bit interested when she you know had us. I think she started introducing us to it. But it's more been my own interest, I'd say. Uh, my dad, he was a sports person, so sports and athletics he introduced me to, but. Um, wanting to be out in the mountains and hiking and exploring and stuff, I'd say that's something that I stumbled upon, like while being introduced to different sports and stuff. Um, when you were a kid, what what did you want to become when you when you grew up? Um, when I was in eighth grade, so I think twelve or thirteen, we had a career day at my school, and I had said professional skier. So <laughs> when I was younger, I said orthopedic surgeon. That changed. <laughs> <laughs> kind of related to skiing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe fixing myself. But uh, I decided, yeah, skier. Skier kind of that stayed through high school. And yeah. Growing up, what, what was what was skiing to you? Um, so as a freestyle skier, I uh, started competing in freestyle skiing when I was nine. And, and that was like your you know, nagging on your parents, so please, 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 I want to? Or? No, no, they were pretty good. They, um, My sister was a racer, my sister's 10 okay, years okay, older, okay. Um, and I thought I wanted to race. And then my dad had uh, some friends that their kids were on the freestyle team. They're like, oh, let's, let's try this. And we tried it, my brother and I, and we both enjoyed it. And... Um, my parents have always been really supportive of sports and anything like that, so I didn't I didn't really have to nag. I just I was fortunate that they let me do it and competed in that for until I was twenty two, I think almost. And freestyle skiing as yeah, so like a nine, ten year old is like playing around like in like is it jumps as well or is it yeah. like the moguls skiing? Yeah, so as I my specialty was moguls. Um I did do acro skiing ballet oh uh, yeah you did yeah. ski ballet yeah yeah for a second uh the contests were on fridays or mondays usually so it meant i got an extra day off of school that was more the motivation for doing that um i was pretty bad uh at that but i did moguls upright aerials and ballet skiing when do, i was younger do they still like compete in that like in in, in, in ballet? Yeah. No. And no. <laughs> I think they stopped doing it when I was, oh, I don't know, 
before I finished high school. So they, I think they stopped doing it a while ago. You were their last hope, and when you start stop, they was like, no, no, just, just, <laughs> <we> just sort. <laughs> no, not quite. <laughs> uh, I I have to admit, I I it was kind of like my slacking time. So we got we didn't have a very big ballet team at my home mountain. Some of the other mountains, they were much more serious about it. Um, myself and the, the only other girl that really did it, we got to kind of go off on our own and practice. And to be honest, I was like following her and, <laughs> and the older boys she attracted. I was like, ooh, let's, let's hang out. <laughs> so I was really bad at it. <laughs> How important has the, uh, like the social side of skiing been to you? Um, like doing it with your friends and competing yeah. with your friends. I, mean. I think... It's been important, but like when I was younger, it was really only when I was doing ballet that I kind of slacked off. I was usually pretty focused, and um, I, yeah, I mean, I missed out on a lot because it's like an American, you know, we have prom or different things like that, and I didn't get to do it, um, which wasn't, it's not that big of a deal, <laughs> but I was always competing or training, so... Um, of course, the friends that I trained with, it was it was great having them around. But for me, it, focus was on the training. Did you have like a, any specific like moment or anything when you when you kind of like epiphany or something when you kind of realized how important skiing was to you, or was it always like a, such a natural part of your life or did you have any like special moment or time of your life when you were like wow this is really it for me um I, ha I feel like I had a few of those moments um when I was younger I mean I wanted to go to the Olympics and win a gold medal in mogul skiing and um I kind of I chased that dream for a bit and it didn't quite happen the way I had hoped but I Um, I think after I took a break from mogul skiing, I had a few years where I was a bit lost and I didn't really quite know. I tried park skiing, I tried a few different things, but, um, I'd say it, it, I mean, it wasn't really until I was a little bit older, 26, 27, when I was like, no, I still want to keep skiing and yeah. But it always has been like kind of part of your identity. Yeah, yeah. I started when I was four, yeah. so from everything I can remember, it's kind of always gone back to skiing. Did you have any setbacks, like uh, injuries or anything, when you when you? Uh, because I know, like freestyle skiing and especially mogul skiing is kind of tough on your knees and stuff. Yeah. So. Um, I had m my I had ankle injury, which is so I, but it wasn't until later on in my mogul skiing career, and I took. Uh, one season off from that um, just because I couldn't uh, it was I was running in the woods and tw twisted my ankle pretty bad so no, no surgery or anything like that um, but I I couldn't I had to take a season off at least from competing the way I wanted to um, and unfortunately when I came back I just didn't have the same passion for mogul skiing that I did before I left so That that would be my biggest setback. Um, what was it? What was it that made you kind of? Like, I don't know if you grew tired of it, or because you you were pretty, you you were in the national team mm, of some 
sort? When kind you? of like the development team. Okay, okay, okay. Um, so I went. I went to Junior Worlds, and I, I went to Junior Worlds a couple of years, and I. I won the the combined title for Junior Worlds when right. I was, I think, 18. <coughs> mm-hmm. um, and, yeah, I was doing pretty well in it. I think I was second for dual moguls in the U.S. at one point and eighth for singles. Um, but uh, I don't know. I knew that I had the ability, it, but I just, my heart wasn't in it anymore. So it was kind of like if I didn't have my heart in it that wasn't just it wasn't going to happen so it wasn't worth forcing it yeah uh, but did you follow any did you have any like specific plan that you followed like from when you were I don't know 16 17 when you you know started to get a bit older did you have like a certain plan like I want to do this now for a couple of years and then I want to go on and was was the Olympics the plan yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, the Olympics were the plan so um I mean, I, w- in the U.S., we graduate from high school when we're around 18. Um, and I went and I went to college for two fall semesters, and then I was trying to do the mogul skiing. And um, financially, it was quite a bit of a burden. And um, I think that was also one of the other hurdles, like the injury plus the fact that it was, you know, you don't get support like you not. You don't. It's not the same. Like you're, you're kind of coming, paying for it out of your own pocket or with the help of your parents. So, it was hard for my family to to do it. And you were working extra at the time. Before. Yeah, it was. Um, I was so I I would coach, um, skiing, uh, and that was quite hard because I felt like I needed to focus on my own training. So, it. I was my dad was always telling me, "Oh, it's so good for you. You you'll learn, you know, you'll start focusing on things." And but unfortunately, at that time, I couldn't take that in. I just saw I'm wasting this time coaching other people to be good at something <laughs> that I'm still trying to perfect. Um, looking back, it makes sense now, but then it was stressful. And um, but yeah, coaching and you know summer jobs and stuff like that, and and then school too. Um. When did you feel that you took, like, crucial steps for your development as a skier? Um, I think uh, the steps came in different times. So, like, when I was in high school, uh, I spent, you know, so many days working on technique and... Doing the daffy. Yeah, yeah doing <laughs> daffies and twisters and, you know, short swing turns day after day, you know just run after run that was you know we I trained quite a bit um so I think there that's where I gained my base and even my air awareness and stuff like that um and then again when I moved out west um that was a whole new side of skiing I, I didn't own powder skis until I was 27 <laughs> um so you know just powder skis, powder skiing, uh, slough management, all the di- all the new how to jump off a cliff. I mean, my first big mountain contest was pretty much my first time jumping off of a cliff. <laughs> so all those things were quite new in those, yeah, a, di- a new phase. And that was your transition into, like, big mountain skiing, like when you moved west? To uh, kind of. Uh, I moved west when I was about 24, 25, and I coached freestyle 
for the first couple of years, and I had a couple of years where I, I didn't really know. I thought that maybe I'd go back because I always wanted to get into mountaineering. Um, and as a as a profession then, or is it just uh, a passion? I just wanted to do it. Yeah. Um, I didn't really understand at that time that how people were you know making money as professional athletes at least in the ski industry I didn't um, fully understand what it meant to be like a free ride professional skier so um, I just knew that I wanted to explore the mountains and mogul skiing was great but you ski the same trail day after day and you go to you know, a different mountain in Italy, and you just go and you ski that one trail. So I wanted to get out and explore more. Um, and I, you know, when I first moved to Tahoe, I didn't know that many people, and I was still in the mogul skiing scene, so I wanted to get out. And I had a few friends that I knew back east that could teach me some things, and I thought, oh, maybe I'll just stay in Maine. And some of my friends in Tahoe were like, no, no, just come back here for one more season and see how it is. And... Yeah, got into free riding. But is that is it the kind of the because I had I was about to ask if the like the thrills and excitement if that's um, important to you. But but is it more like the curiosity, like to to go out the the groomers and and and, and explore the mountains? Is that a stronger like driving force than the like excitement and thrills and so on? Um, I think. so. So, I don't know. I, think <laughs> I don't know if I think, you understand what. <laughs> yeah, no, I get what you mean. I think it's I think it's always changing. Um, I think, you know, in, in the beginning, cliffs and stuff like that, that was new. And um, I just saw that people were doing it and that it was possible. And I thought I didn't see any reason why I couldn't do it. So I went and did it. Um, and then exploring the mountains, I've, you know, the last couple years I've gotten more into backcountry skiing and stuff like that and so it's 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 not new but there's still so many areas that I can go and explore so it's it's a new side of skiing that I want to get more into and um, maybe even gaining more like technical ski mountaineering skills and stuff like that because I always looked at mountains and thought oh, it'd be cool to go to the top of that um, so I feel like I have some limitations as far as my skill sets go and Um, I'd like to uh, learn more so I can look at almost every mountain. Maybe not the crazy steep skiing type, or at least my idea of crazy steep skiing, <laughs> steep, steep skiing <laughs> type stuff. But um, yeah, you know, I'd look at uh, like Jeremy Jones and the type of stuff that he does, and I, I really look up to and admire what he's doing, and I'd like to get into similar but but are you doing that like um you do c that kind of uh not on jeremy jones level maybe but but you do that kind of like expedition sometimes or what yeah a little bit um so i, ha I have done some like i've spent you know a couple weeks up in svalbard and um camped out in a glacier in alaska so i have done some of it but i want to do it more frequently and um i think definitely as i When I start transitioning out of contests and stuff like that, um, more expedition type stuff is kind of on my radar. So that's like the major, like, focal point and the major goal and the free ride world because now you're in the free ride world tour and that mm -hmm. kind it, it's it's kind of a uh, means to an end. Yeah, I mean, 
it's I kind of been struggling with like I know um some of the people that do it like they love competition and I always thought oh you know if I had a filming opportunity or something like that I think I would do it but I'm starting to realize that maybe I there's a part of me that really likes competition um and I'm starting to accept that a, a bit more so I am a competitor I you know if it's been in your life since you were like nine or something yeah like yeah <laughs> even younger if you count all the sports that I've been involved in so I think uh it is a big part of what I like to do I just want to also check out some new parts of skiing but did um the 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 free ride like the circus like the free ride world tour was that um that was something new to you then when yeah. you started like competing with it yeah um so I mean I got introduced to the free skiing or what used oh, yeah. to be known as the free skiing world tour and I did a season of that um and it was great and it was a great introduction um and I didn't really I guess the free ride world tour is just kind of starting up because that was back in 2008 it was my first full season of competition um and then I had heard a little bit about the free ride world tour and I had asked about a wild card um when they came to squaw uh It didn't go so well, but <laughs> I did get one for the first stop. Uh, and I saw that some of my friends were doing it, and I was interested and I wanted to find out more about it. So it was something that I definitely pursued. And um, J.T. Holmes, a skier from Squaw, a friend of mine, he helped um, write me a recommendation to get me another wild card into the first Chamonix stop in 2010. And it's just kind of, um, there's been a few bumps <laughs> in the road and uh, a few more wild cards, but uh, it was the best learning experience, I think, for my skiing. Um, the U.S. events were good because it was a great place to learn, but the progression of my skills It definitely was due to the free ride world tour in the mountains and the, the way they, you know, visual inspection and stuff like that. That was all completely new, and I had a lot to learn. But um, and I still do. So isn't that like super difficult though? Like the, the inspection part and yeah, that kind of like remembering <laughs> like okay, right over the right after this cliff and so on and and like remembering everything. It's gonna yeah. be impossible. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really know the first time, like, exactly what I was doing, you know. And, um, you know, maybe, I think in the beginning, maybe I tried to pick out things that were too complicated for my level at that time when it came to visual inspection. And I had uh, a lot of failure. <laughs> I picked a lot of lines that didn't quite work. but And then, of course, I had some that did. So, uh And it's still, you know, it still happens. And I think what has kept me in is the fact that I've learned uh, that it is okay to just stop sometimes and admit failure, <laughs> admit defeat, and like, oh, okay, this isn't going to work. And instead of just trying to push through something and hurt myself, um, just... The competitive part in you, you can you can control that part of you and say it's okay, it's okay. You can. Yeah, <laughs> I might not be very happy afterwards, <laughs> and definitely sort of kicking myself like, oh, why did you do that? But um, I, you know, I, I try not to put myself in situations where I'm going to 
hurt myself, you know, incredibly bad. Of course, can't prevent it all, but. But but um, joining this uh, competitions, did that add back to to what you kind of lost, like qu quotation marks, like lost, like when you kind of lost the passion from 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 mogul skiing? Did you kind of re rediscover skiing in some way? Or? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, yeah, I think I. Because I did have a few years where I was skiing, but it wasn't quite the same, and I wasn't maybe skiing as much. And uh, I think when I got back, when I got into free riding, I um, found a new part of skiing that I really enjoyed, and I, I had a new passion for the sport. And things were interesting, exciting, and uh, I like having a goal to work for instead of just going out there and making runs. I want to have something to accomplish so um, for me it was helpful to have a new thing to work towards to keep keep me motivated uh, what would you say like your style is writing um, my style I'd say what I would like my style to be <laughs> uh, I mean I'm not super playful I, I do have a, a trick background from freestyle but I, I haven't really been doing much of that these days I'd say uh, m bigger lines and you know trying to I'm, I don't think I'm the fastest skier it's never a race or anything like that but um, I like big cliffs and I like things that are a bit more challenging um, not necessarily uh, super technical lines but uh, fall line with big drops, I, I guess. Is but that's your style. strength. Yeah, yeah. I'd I'd say, um, I'd say so. <laughs> <laughs> what's um, on the other hand? What's your what's your weaknesses as a skier? What would you say is, what do you want to improve? Um, I don't know. I'm a little bit torn. I think there's a part of me that wishes that I didn't completely. Or I guess I haven't completely, but there's a part of me that wishes I had focused a little bit more in my freestyle background and worked on some of those skills. And I think if I really wanted to, I, I could get it back. I just, I don't have the same desire to. Um, and these days I'd say acquiring more of the mountaineering skills. That's, uh, it's, yeah, I suppose it's weakness because there's a lot that I need to learn. I just haven't done it, so... Yeah. But are you good at uh, challenging yourself? I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'm good at challenging. I mean, I could challenge myself more. Uh, but then again, a lot of my friends tell me that I should take it easier <laughs> sometimes. So I think, uh, yes, challenging myself is not, not an issue that I have. It's, uh, yeah. Um, uh, thought about because you and Reina you share uh, one thing because you grew up like before moving to Tahoe you, you grew up like skiing on the east coast mm -hmm. and from what I've heard it's uh, not that always like 
perfect conditions. So you, you kind of you had your school in like crappy conditions. Yes, icy. <laughs> it's very icy, so icy moguls. So you feel right at home at all that Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think flat light is something that's new for me because we didn't really have above treeline skiing and stuff like that. So I'm when I go up to top of Ora and it's flat whiteout <laughs> conditions that's um that's still a little I, I don't have the Scandinavian eye <laughs> I get a little bit of vertigo and um but as far as the ice goes um and the not so perfect snow conditions I think that I had a lot of practice <laughs> but from what I've heard from um, from what I understood from when I interviewed today you know that's uh that can really be a uh, a good thing like a good strength to have especially on the tour yeah yeah we I mean it's different the tour competing is different from filming of course uh, on the free will tour you have the visual inspection was, which is quite similar but um, you don't know if you're going to go first or last or you know until the bib draw and you have no control over that and you don't know you know maybe nobody else is going to go down that line before you go maybe everyone else is going to go so you have to be able to ski in less than ideal conditions and um i think growing up in an area where you <laughs> trained in less than ideal conditions it definitely gives you an advantage um do you see any like differences between could be a bit difficult to say but like differences like general differences between the riders like the european riders the scandinavian riders and the and the u.s riders and the american riders uh the ones like competing on the tour for instance like mm -hmm. their background because i know a lot of like the swedish like almost every swede now at the free ride world tour has a, come from a racing background yeah. in one way or another is it the same in the u.s or is it um you know i'm not sure in the u.s i think uh, trying to think of because I know there's some new U.S. riders and I've spent so much time on the European tour these last couple of years that I feel like I know the Europeans better. I think in general, um, most people have a racing background. Um, I think Henrik Winstead, myself, and uh, Julian Lopez were some of the few that have a freestyle background. And then you have a few that didn't have any uh, competitive, you know, whether it's racing or freestyle. So I think an, an average, the it's majority the are alpine. Yeah. yeah. Um, and another thing, because uh, when I interviewed Kai Sakerson, mm -hmm. <coughs> and he had this kind of theory that uh, for many Europeans, many European skiers and snowboarders, they see racing or competing like for instance in the free ride world tour they see that as a ticket to uh to become like a pro and getting sponsored mm -hmm. while in the u.s in general more people see uh, like filming that that's more like uh, that's a more likely ticket to become yeah. famous and, and and become sponsored is it do you agree oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i definitely think it's true i don't know why it is that way I mean, other than it seems like in Europe, the focus seems to be more on competition. And uh, in the U.S., for whatever reason, that you know, they they have competitions over there, but it, it 
you can be winning all of them and doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to make it as a professional skier or anything like that. I think that if I had stuck to the U.S. and stuck on the U.S. Um, circuit, that it, it wouldn't have done that much for my career. And for me, it's been definitely very helpful spending time over in Europe and, um, you know, having European sponsors and stuff like that. Um, but... Uh, yeah, there's, I don't know why, but there's definitely more focus. I know, like, for Reina, he he loves competition, and he, you know, of course would like to film, but his focus is primarily on uh, competition. And for me, I think because, uh, you know, I am an American athlete, there's a part that would like to film and be a little bit more well-known in that side of the industry because that's what's much bigger in the U.S., so... But have you done any uh, have you done any uh, segments in, in in like films and so on? A little bit. Um, my first year uh, being a free rider, I did a, a segment for a smaller company, uh, Adventure Filmworks, which they're they all have well the main guy Dwayne. He has a real job now, <laughs> um, so I I'd filmed with them, and that was a great opportunity. Uh, and then. Besides that, I did a segment in Warren Miller uh, in 2012, I think it was. Um, so those are the two filming. I'd, I'd like to do more, but yeah. Is we'll it see. difficult to get, uh, like from what I've heard, it's like you have to have the right sponsors and you have to have sponsors willing to invest in movie projects. It's, yeah. kind, of a, it's kind of a big thing. Yeah. If you want to <coughs> like do something serious, it's kind of, diff- kind of a long road sometimes. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's expensive. Uh, it's I think you know for me it's been good to have there's always you know the competition you know if you if you do well of course you're going to get exposure and sponsors love exposure and stuff like that whereas the filming there's no guarantee that the location that you're going to if the weather's going to be good or snow or or maybe you have these last couple seasons especially in the U.S. it's been pretty rough uh so I I think um, filming is great because you get to express another side of you know your style and stuff like that, and work on uh, projects that you have in mind. But competition has also been uh, good because it's the, it, you know it's there; it's going to yeah. happen. And and it also seems like because the you have the development of the movie scene, and that the bar race is like immensely like for every season like mm-hmm. the projects get bigger and bigger and they have to like uh, you know there's a competition between the movie companies yeah. and you have the now you have the sweet grass with a with a filming in the middle of the night yeah. thing and like everyone is kind of uh, outbidding the others and it's uh, yeah. so I, I can imagine that it's uh, like the gap between the people doing like competitions and the gap between the the the, the people like starring in movies, uh, it's probably going to increase. Mm-hmm. Maybe the gap. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it's just it's such a big. I think it, what's hard for me is it's such a big investment. You can spend, you know, thirty thousand dollars trying to film with a company, uh, but there's no guarantee that your footage is going to make it in necessarily. And if you don't produce, and uh, of course you. you want to produce and that's your goal but there's just so many different things that go into it that um it feels like it's a bit of a gamble sometimes um 
but kind of a dream for you would be to do the kind of a, a deeper, further, higher, like Jeremy Jones yeah. kind of uh, film projects. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, um, I would, yeah, I would definitely like to, I mean, if, much as I would love to go heli skiing and stuff like that, I think there's something to be said about earning your turns and really, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd like to do that. And to me, it, it feels sometimes a bit silly to spend $30,000 on two weeks. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of money. I feel like I could go elsewhere. So yeah. I'd rather... You get a lot of granola bars for 30000 Yeah. Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> you can just camp out and be happy. Yes. <laughs> Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, and also uh, uh, a kind of a question that's difficult to avoid, like your relation to risks, mm -hmm. because it is kind of a, the the world that you're living in. It's kind of a, it can be a dangerous place. Yeah, um, I think uh, in the beginning, I, some of the things that I did maybe it's because I didn't know better, um, and I was lucky enough to make it out. Uh, unharmed or you know maybe some minor injuries and stuff like that and definitely as I get older and I'm in this sport a little bit more I'm more aware of what's going on and um, I think maybe I have a higher risk risk tolerance than you know your average person but I everything I do is try to take calculated risks so I'm not just you know hurling myself off a cliff or something like that I I, I like to think that I have a fairly good idea of you know I think about what if it, I think about what I want to do and how it go right but I also think about if for whatever reason something doesn't something goes wrong I also think about is is this a situation that I can get out of without killing myself or is it you know I can't <laughs> and then maybe I rethink like is that exactly what I want to do or so um yeah I take I take a lot of risks, but it's it's. Uh, I also think about it quite a bit too. But you have been in some situations that 
turn out okay, but you have been in you've been in, in exposed positions. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think one of my scariest was in Verbier in two thousand twelve. Yeah, I think it was two thousand twelve, and I um, hit the first second second cliff, and then I just started tumbling and. Um, I thought that I was tumbling in a safe area or somewhat safe area. Then I realized that uh, I was closer to these rocks, and I mean, I stopped. I think eight feet above a cliff bend. That if I kept going, it would it would not have been good. I potentially could have died because it just kind of kept going, um, and. I don't like that feeling. <laughs> I don't like scaring the people around. Uh, you know, like or like having a better uh, awareness of what's around me and where I am. Um, so I definitely learned uh, from that experience and try and avoid situations like that. Uh, especially, in, I mean, it's not good to scare anyone. You, you don't want to scare the judges and you know your friends and stuff like that. And uh, I did it again in Snowbird, <laughs> but. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's it's going to happen, unfortunately. And there's it's probably not the last scary experience that I've had because that's the nature of almost everything I do in my life. Um, but that but incident that was on on Becteros, that was in the while, while competing. Yeah. Okay, okay. Okay. Yeah, I've had most of mine have been while competing. I mean, I have had scary experiences when I've been out on my own or, you know, just skiing for fun. Um, but the more memorable ones have been while competing, whether or not they, I mean, that one scared me. So I think that's what sticks with me more. Um, I know last year at Snowbird, I scared everybody else. Uh, <laughs> I did not scare myself, but... Was it the, the cliff jump? When the, yeah, the, the rock. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and... For me, I... You ski down on one ski after that, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was... I mean, it didn't hurt me at all. I, if anything, it hurt my ego, and I was more <laughs> upset with myself for crashing or for, you know, for whatever reason, sucking up that jump instead <laughs> of popping. Um, but I felt bad because, you know, my mom was watching online and the announcers were quiet, <laughs> and uh, all my friends... Christine Hargin came up to me and hugged me, and I was like, "What? I don't, <laughs> I didn't get it until I saw the footage." And I'm like, "Oh, I can see how that would look bad." <laughs> but yeah, so there's definitely a lot of risk in the sport. But but that have uh, is that um have you matured or is it that you have been in like exposed positions because you didn't know better, or was it like oh, I don't care? Um, definitely not because I don't care, because I, I think I have, uh, I mean, sometimes it might have been, I didn't realize that something was the way it was until I got in there, and that was, you know, a lot of the visual inspection and learning how to do that, um, so that was some, uh, experiences, and I think, uh, you know, I think what has, as far as my maturity goes, is how often I'm willing to do things. Um, I, 
you know, I'm not always going to go out when I'm free riding and take bigger risks just because I'm thinking about, well, I don't heal as quickly as I used to and I have competition or maybe filming or whatever that I need to be healthy for. So um, I try and, you know, not always go out 100% because I, I would, it's just too much. I think I... I think my maturity is knowing how to walk away from something if I'm not feeling it. But isn't that also a part of kind of a necessary learning curve that you have to do some mistakes, I guess, mm -hmm. and you have to kind of burn yourself sometimes in order to improve? Is yeah. that like walking a thin line, is it is it part of the part of the sport? I mean I I think so. I think there's some things that hopefully you never do and I I've made mistakes and stuff like that and I'm fortunate that I've walked away re relatively unharmed um so I would never want to tell people like yeah go out and make a bunch <laughs> of mistakes because that's Break the only way to cool. learn yeah <laughs> um I think you know I learned from my mistakes I learned from my friends mistakes that you know I try and learn from all experiences I would rather people learn from my mistakes than them going out and doing them uh on their own <laughs> Uh, so, you know, I don't mind sharing experiences that I've had and sharing knowledge and, and hopefully, uh, you know, people have shared their experiences with me and, uh, so, so yeah, I mean, that is part of it, but if you can learn from others, that's probably <laughs> the healthier way to do it. Um, and, and now in this, uh, kind of a new role for you that as a, backcountry freestyle like free skier mm -hmm. uh, mountaineer um, have you set up like a curriculum or like a plan like a education plan for yourself like okay I want to learn this and I want to improve in this area and I want to learn rope handling and I don't know what yeah um, I've been thinking about it <laughs> finding the time um, you know I I've worked on my avalanche skills and I have like my area level two and I'm always working on expanding that knowledge um, and also getting you know first aid education I've had uh, my wilderness first responder and stuff like that and have to go up and upgrade it and <laughs> stuff like that and uh, talk I've definitely been talking to some friends that I know that have more ski mountaineering experience and like to go out and um, hopefully have them mentor me and um, thought about taking some rope skills. I've, you know, a few of my friends that they have similar interests, we've talked about going and taking rope skills courses and stuff like that. So I don't have anything actually set on the schedule just yet, but I'm hoping by the end of the season that I've, um, you know, gained some more. I had at one point done glacier rescue and stuff like that. It's just... I haven't used it in 10 years, so it's in the back of my brain somewhere, but <laughs> it's not very fresh. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping this season, um, going down to the Alps and, uh, my friend Maria Person, she's spending time in the Grave this winter, so I'm hoping to spend some time with her there and learning, learning more, yeah. Um, <coughs> are you ever, uh, set back by um, like the last couple of months there's been a couple of like like tragic accidents within the like skiing community a lot of like big personalities have, have uh, uh, passed away and 
how does that affect you? Um, in, term, in terms of those, like, mountaineering plans? And I think, uh, I mean, uh, so with uh, Liz and JP and Andreas, I mean, I wasn't very close to any of them, but I knew and respected all three of them, and I thought that they were definitely amazing people. Um, and... It's, I don't know, it's a little bit, it didn't make me want to stay out of the backcountry or anything like that. In a way, it, wanted, it made me want to ex explore more, but it also, I'm more, I want to have the education. I want to do it properly. I don't want to just <coughs> go and, um, you know, unknowingly end up in situations, of course, you know, you're always assuming some risk when you're going out there and no matter how safe you go about things, there's there's no way to know that you're going to be 100% okay. Um, but, you know, I think that I still want to get out there. Um, I mean, stuff that Andreas did was amazing and I'm not quite... Uh, I, I don't want to be on the level that he is. That's uh, too much for me, and that's definitely too much. That's more risk than I'm willing to take on. Um, but uh, the time that he spent in the mountains and the knowledge and skills that he had, I definitely admire that. And I I wouldn't. I I'm not going to not do it. I just want to be as safe as possible. Um, but knowing that, you know, there is no guarantee. Just have to try and make the best decisions I can. So it's it's hard. Um, it definitely makes you think. Um, I know with avalanches and stuff like that, I've been spending a lot of time, like, trying to help educate others and also trying to um, grow my knowledge. Uh, and in, there are times when I go out and I get a lot more nervous and... I have like a bit of a fight with myself like am I being too am I being overly cautious or and I think um I would rather be overly cautious than uh a, you know overly confident in situations so uh it's yeah it's tough but trying to go about it in you know the smartest way I can but knowing that it's not possible to be 100% sure, unfortunately. Um, being a, a girl in the ski industry, mm. how is that? Um, it's interesting. <laughs> I don't know. I think uh, being a girl, it's... Uh, it's... It, there's a lot of opportunities, maybe not as many as there are for guys and I think that um, there are a lot of amazing female skiers out there and my I I wish that the world knew how many I wish that uh, all the amazing extremely talented girls that are out there got more recognition um, than they do it's a it's a bit harder to get up there because as a girl Unfortunately, there's more focus on, not more, there's, yeah, appearance and stuff like that. So, um, 
that's something that you know there's always a place for the ski models and stuff like that and <laughs> I think that you're never going to you know we are in the sport we are trying to sell products and stuff like that and you have to represent yourself in a certain way um, and you have to be marketable unfortunately but um, I would really love to see um, more of the women that are really uh, pushing like progressing the sport in a positive way and um, that are just amazing skiers I'd love for them to get more recognition because um, there are a ton of great female skiers out there they're just not everybody knows about him. Uh, and now, uh, all of a sudden, <laughs> or new for this season, is that you do uh, uh, five stops as well. Like women, yes. and men, you do the same amount of stops. And that's a new thing for the the tour. Yeah. Yeah. They originally announced that they were going to do an Alaska stop, um, which was males only. And I think they got a bit of slack about that. And um, which I think is rightfully so, because uh, I don't know how you make that decision male only. You could do, I mean, skiers only or snowboarders only. I think it's a bit unfair to just pick the guys, um, especially since some of the ski females at least have been skiing bigger lines than the male snowboarders. So. Uh, and similar lines to the male skiers. So I'm happy that they changed <laughs> changed that and added, um, there's a cut for everyone. I don't remember what the percentage is, but there's, yeah, three stops, and then you have a cut for Alaska, um, and then there's another small cut before Verbier. Uh, so, yeah, so the women will get to go, the qualified women and men will get to go to all stops and I think that that's a better way of doing it. So now your, your plan is AK? Yes. <laughs> but you've been skiing there before, right? I have um, and it's in Hames and that's where I went. Um, I've been to Hames and uh, Alieska and it was not the best Alaska experience to be honest and I haven't been back since and I would like to have a little redemption and have a more positive because it was a quite sad experience when I was there so yeah looking forward to going and having a improving your fun. memories yes <laughs> what a better feeling on Alaska yeah and about you because when I read about you online in articles and like comments and everything uh, uh, a phrase that that's kind of um, follows you is like yeah, Jackie she, she skis like the men mm -hmm. is that is that kind of a is that a positive comment or is it kind of a problematic comment? You know, you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, I she goes big. She goes <laughs> like the guys. I don't. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it should bother me. I, it doesn't bother me because the reality is, is that right now the best skier in the world is probably a male, and ultimately my goal, and it's probably not going to happen, but I want to be the best skier there is. It's possible, and or at least in the discipline that I'm competing in and skiing in. And um, it is, that would, would be a male. I don't know who <laughs> it is, but, you know, guys are pushing the sport and they're progressing a bit faster. Um, and I think I never, there's definitely been a few runs and things that females have done that I've said, wow, that's, you know, that's amazing, that's great. And 
Um, I love to see it when girls do push it, um, but I'm never going to pick something because, oh, you know, this is good for a girl. I want to pick a line that's good for any person in the contest or filming and stuff like that. So um, that is the reality is that there aren't that many girls that are hitting bigger cliffs or doing bigger lines and um, there are more guys that are doing it and so I guess yeah sometimes I am skiing like a guy and until there is a girl that's skiing you know much better than uh, all the guys and I would rather have my skiing compared to one of the best guys than you know uh, a girl. That being said, there are a couple amazing female big mountain skiers out there. And, uh, you know, I, yeah, I mean, my friends, a lot of my friends are amazing big mountain skiers, uh, female friends, and I wouldn't mind being compared to them either. It's just uh, the guys right now, they're pushing it more than we are. So, yeah. Uh, but do you, do you see that as kind of a responsibility to be that uh to be that girl who other girl like female writers can look up to um do you think about that i don't really think about it i just think about what i want to accomplish i i um never i never really i don't really look up to that many I, I don't know, it doesn't matter if they're male or female. I just look at what someone is doing and if they're doing something really amazing, I, I would, you know, I guess the competitive side is I would want to do it better than them eventually. <laughs> um, I, I never want to be someone, but I want to be, you know, striving to be just as good, if not uh, surpassing them. Uh, and I, I kind of hate talking about stuff like that, but that's, I think, you know, being a competitive person, that's, that's the reality. Uh, competitive people don't want to be as good as someone. They want to be better, better. than the best. Um, so I never really had, you know, role models or stuff like that. Uh, there's people that I respect that are doing things, and male or female. Um, if I can inspire other girls to, you know, to do more and progress in athletics, then I think that that's great. But um, I'm not going out there trying to be a role model necessarily. I'm just doing what I want to do. But are you? Uh, I, because I guess you are a role model to to a lot of people. Like, do you have um, do you have followers or what you call it, like fans, a fan <laughs> base, followers <laughs> uh, <laughs> on social media and stuff? Uh, do I don't know. <laughs> people mailing you or like commenting or anything? Do you? Yeah. I do, I do get, um, it's really embarrassing actually, I got like the kindest comment from a kid that's on my team and uh, I, uh, I, <laughs> it was, you know, um, I didn't know what his background was and I, you know, responded and I was like, oh, you know, thank you so much, that's so kind, but it turned out that he was on like the U.S. national ski team as an alpine racer and I was like, I'm so sorry, Ed. <laughs> I mean, uh, as a mobile skier, and I, I don't follow too closely to that sport, and um, I think uh, that was really, I mean, what he said was so kind, 
no matter who he was. Um, but uh, uh, him being, you know, one of the nations and potentially the world's best <laughs> <laughs> skiers, that was huge. Um, it was a huge compliment. Uh, and, yeah, so, I mean, I, I do, I guess I, I do get really kind le- letters and messages from people and stuff like that, and um, it means a lot, and it's definitely, um, you know, I'd love to help people out however I can, and um, if they want advice or you want to say anything, I you know, I, d- I don't mind. Um, I think it's really... Yeah, it's really an honor to have people looking up to you in that way. It's just uh, hard to think of it. <laughs> because, I mean, aren't you, uh, like, you're, you're participating sometimes in, like, uh, like, uh, um, like, you've worked with Inspire Us, Inspire Us the, the Swedish, uh, like... Uh, for biking. Yeah, for biking, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're, like, an uh, instructor for down, like yeah. downhill b- biking and so Yeah. Like, like girl-only activities. Yeah. And is that, um, is that fun? Is that inspiring? It is. I mean, um, it's, it's kind of a funny thing for me because growing up as a girl, I was usually the only girl in amongst a bunch of guys, and it didn't bother me one bit. Um, but I know that that's not the same for every female and that for some it helps to have other females around to help and be in a supportive environment. So I think um, working with groups like Inspire Us and um, Safe As, the, the avalanche clinics that we do, um, it's it's really great to be a part of that and to be able to give back and not just you know, worry about how many followers you get on Instagram and stuff like that, but actually, you know, use uh, the position I have in the ski industry to to do something positive. So I do enjoy, I'm hoping that'll be in order in, I think it's April, to help out with Inspire Us this year. So They're a we'll good see. crowd. Yeah, they're really nice girls. Uh, do you ever think of, um, like, the brand Jackie Paso. <laughs> not really. <laughs> um, aren't, you, aren't you supposed? To, I mean, not supposed to, but isn't that kind of a part of your part of your life now? Like yeah. as a as a professional skier. Yeah, I guess so. I guess um, I think that's something that I'm still struggling with. Yeah, like I'm just accepting the fact that I am a professional skier, and that uh, I know some of my friends are a little bit better about grasping that. That you know. Uh, we are our own brand and um, I think being although maybe you can't tell from this interview but generally usually being more of a modest person and not uh, I I have a hard time thinking of myself as a brand even though I suppose that is the reality <laughs> I think you've adapted too much to, to Sweden yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You're American. You're supposed to be <laughs> bragging about everything. Yeah, <laughs> so bad about that. I get it. My dad. My dad has Scandinavian roots, I suppose, oh, yeah? or well, I don't know, Finnish, or I don't know. Yeah, Amer- yeah. I was uh, good thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I've been thinking about that name. It sounds yeah. like 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 Finnish. Yeah, yeah. So he's he. You know, was he took a, the modesty from Scandinavia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was a big athlete, but he. You know, he never really. I, I get stories every 10 years I find oh, yeah? out more and more about his career <laughs> but 
yeah, it's hard. I don't know. For some people, it's hard to talk about. And I suppose for myself, it's hard to be like, I'm so rad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what does your like off season look like? Uh, lately, it's been mountain biking. <laughs> You've been competing in mountain bike as well, yeah. like both co- cross country and downhill. I grew right? up doing cross country, downhill, and dual song. Um, I recently got back into downhill. Um, I did a couple cross country races, but um, I had a friend of mine that convinced me to do some World Cups. I don't know really know how that happened, but it did. <laughs> Um, and I'm thinking about getting into enduro racing this next summer. So, yeah. The 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 downhill like the 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 trails and, and parks and oh, it's they're pretty good, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're good. They're not. Um, it'd be nice to have some bigger jumps and doubles and like some more uh, trickier terrain, but. Um, the cross country trails and stuff like that, those are really good. And um, the downhill tracks, yeah, they're definitely some fun trails. Uh, I think, yeah, it's it's hard it's hard it's hard to cater everyone. <laughs> so I want the little bit crazier trails, and then of course you know, the general public wants something maybe a bit mellower. So it's uh, they're kind of meeting in the middle. So you and Raina have to go out with like tools and and uh, build your own jumps. <laughs> yeah, Raina, he's starting to. He didn't like biking or downhill biking in the beginning. I kind of like dragged him into it. <laughs> I dragged him into mountain biking in it when he was in Tahoe. I said, "This is what we're going to do. Hopefully, you like it because this is what we're doing all summer." <laughs> so that's how he got into biking. But uh, yeah, I'm happy that he <laughs> likes it. And also, but you because you seem like kind of a all year round outdoor person. So is it um, like is it is off season off season for you, or is it just adapting to the current time of the year? Is it just okay now we go mountain biking and now we go skiing? Yeah, I think it's more like that. Um, when I was little, I had soccer in the fall, skiing soccer in the spring and then mountain bike races and I think we maybe had one free weekend like out of a whole year to just relax or if I got injured I got to <laughs> relax that was the only time and I go a little bit crazy if I have too much free time um so yeah I don't really have a an off season I guess uh, maybe now it's like late fall early spring where transitioning a bit but but is it is it um is it good for you to to get a break from skiing i do yeah i like i like having a bit of a break i think um i know some of my friends they ski year round and they try and get it in but i think it makes me appreciate skiing more to have a bit of a break like i i get excited uh at the beginning of the season like i did when i was little um I wouldn't mind going on some trips in the summer if like but projects coming up. Yeah, but, but you've been you've been to South America some yeah. skiing. Yeah, it's been a while though. Um, been to South America and been to New Zealand, but um, then I got into mountain biking. So it's been hard to. Uh, <laughs> it's. I mean, I'm equally as excited to go on a mountain bike trip as I am on a ski trip. So I guess that's good. So I have options. <laughs> um, how do you think other people would uh, would describe you? 
Uh, it's a kind of a job interview question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, depends on who it is. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think usually, ooh, that's tough. <laughs> you don't have to answer anything you want. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, what's the um, the toughest part of your job? Travel. Uh, not really having a home base. I think. Living out of a ski trunk. Yeah, ski trunk, suitcase. Um, yeah, I think that's the hardest, because especially now, living. In Sweden, having family in Maine, having you know, a second family in California, and not really being in either place. I think travel is, it's amazing because you get to see all these different places, but it, it also gets, yeah. I haven't been in one place for two months in a very long time. <laughs> so, yeah, it's good, but it can be hard. Is it, is it always positive to... Is it always positive to work with your passion? Yeah, I think, well, as long as you keep having, as long as it stays fun. I mean, there's definitely parts of the industry that I don't particularly enjoy that much that does make it feel like a bit of a job. But, um, and and that can be hard because you're taking something that you love that you, you don't want to make it feel like work even though it is sometimes it is work we are um trying to produce things and it's not like uh i don't go out you go out skiing you're always thinking like oh i need to get like at least a good instagram shot or something like that which um you know sometimes it takes the fun out of it because you want to just go and like you're a kid and just i don't want to hashtag this yeah (laughs) so it, it you know it does take a little bit of the fun out of it sometimes but the reality is is it's much better than the alternative and you know I could be doing another job where yeah I suppose I could maybe make lots of money or something like that but um, it's hard to beat the experiences and um, how it is now it's pretty good so yeah Uh, what's your uh, this is the second job interview question. Uh, what are your goals in life? Um, my goals in life is to always have goals. <laughs> that's a good question. That's yeah. a good answer. That's a really good answer. Um, I mean, I think I, yeah, I mean, I want to have a bunch of huskies one day. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think... I don't exactly know, you know, one year, five year, ten year, what's down the line, but I think I, you know, I want to have more ski mountaineering skills. I want to eventually have uh, maybe a a guiding business or something like that, and I want to have a dog sled team and (laughs) a house and... I don't know about the family stuff. We'll see. It could be like a bunch of dogs. So, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I think just always having a goal and something to work forward and, uh, yeah, I don't exactly, 
I used to be able to say like, oh, this is what I want to do, and I want to go to the Olympics and win a gold medal and do this. But I realize that things change, and you never know exactly where you're going to end up. But as long as you keep moving forward and um, you're doing what you love and achieving goals, um, and for the most part, it's me. It's not exactly how I planned, but it's pretty good, and I'm happy. And it's as long as it keeps moving in that direction. The journey. The journey yeah. is the reward. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Uh, where are you now in life? Uh, Stockholm, Sweden. <laughs> uh, I am. Hmm. I. I don't think I'm quite yet in a transition period, but I'm starting to think about what's next, and, uh, you know. Uh, I'm, I guess, moving, moving, moved to Sweden, and uh, it's exciting and it's challenging, and um, I don't know. It's kind of having moved here makes some of my goals a little bit more difficult because I have to learn a new language and stuff <laughs> like that. How's that going? Uh, it's coming. I need to just be here for like five years and then maybe it'll be good <laughs> but I keep uh you know I'm here for a month and a half and then yeah. I leave for three and I'm some people are really good with languages I apparently struggle a little bit <laughs> so uh it's not the easiest language to learn no it? I'm so bad at pronouncing words <laughs> so bad I can understand more than I can uh speak but Yeah, it, it's uh, it definitely adds some new challenges to things that I want to accomplish. So I'm trying to, I guess I'm trying to figure out how to work, you know, moving to a foreign country and learning new languages and stuff like that. I have to kind of adapt some of my goals and um, I'm seeing, trying to figure out what's realistic and um, what is realistic that I would be happy with. So that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. And good luck for the coming season. Thanks. <laughs> Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.